0: Hello, everyone. This is Shaina Silva. I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Silva, and this is Haiti Prosperity Podcast. In the last episode, we talked about building trust, building trust within the context of governance, and how if we were to follow the rules around governance, the rules that we created ourselves, as well as the rules that the rest of the world has agreed to follow that we would significantly see an improvement in the quality of life in the country. And that's really important because today as things are evolving, we are not necessarily following any rules. We don't have necessarily a head of state that was democratically elected currently the president um, is not a position that exists uh, we have a parliament that is for the most part empty of leadership and so many other things that really demonstrate that we are not up to the standing of international levels of governance or even our own local level of governance the the laws that we've created that say this is how we want to govern haiti we're not following them we ended the episode talking a little bit about how technology can be an enabler to reduce the human element of this trust but Evolving from that, once you have been able to design or redesign this aspect of trust, leveraging the existing framework and checklists into your operating system, now it's time to actually talk about how you manage your natural resources, how you manage your workforce, how you are managing your assets. A few episodes ago, we talked about having an inventory of your assets. That's the first thing. And that inventory has to be managed. It has to produce for you. It has to create revenue for the country that can be then used to invest in social programs and all types of other programs that would eventually lead to a prosperous nation. Now, Dad, when we talked about when we talk about managing resources, what, do we, what kind of resources are we talking about? And how do we go from understanding where we stand in terms of governance and what needs to be done for us to operate effectively as an organization of Haitians to now looking at what resources that we have access to and how we're going to manage those things going forward?
1: Well, we have several types of resources, uh, including natural resources, the land itself, and we have very arable uh, land areas in the country, and very fertile land uh, as far as uh, the environment is concerned and agricultural. Uh, types of uh, resources as well as uh, mining uh, mining mines in different types uh, energy, construction uh, etc we also have a very lucky country in having human resources that are very young meaning there is a lot of energy within our human resources uh, area. And that's very important because when we compare ourselves with countries like Japan, where it's more of an aging population, Haiti is just the reverse of such uh, uh, population. And, you know, it is considered as a very a considerable and a very important resource. We have also maritime uh, resources. Uh, Haiti has never really um, accounted its maritime uh, territory where lots of resources exist within such uh, territory. Um, The airspace is an important uh, natural resource uh, that has not been exploited uh, properly and that can be exploited. Uh, We can talk uh, further about how that can take place. Um, So those are the resources that need to be reinvented. And I'm sure that uh, there are institutions that have Uh, made uh, some inventory of of those different resources, but I think the data needs to be updated. We are also well positioned in the global positioning system. Haiti is at a corner of um, the Canal du Vent, where well, most ships coming out of Asia and coming into the Americas pass by um, the northwest part of Haiti, and that it, and it it passes into sometimes Haitian territory. Um, so the the our traffic uh, way. Uh, Uh, is a resource of sort uh, that can be um, taxed of uh, sort uh, or where we can play a role in terms of partnership with other uh, countries and other enterprises. Uh, uh, So we have uh, quite a few resources uh, that need to be Uh, exploited uh, transparently so that everybody can participate uh, in terms of the distribution of the wealth that the exploitation of those resources would bring
0: yeah i think you know sometimes when we think about um, what Haiti has in our minds, we kind of know what it is. We see our beautiful beaches when we go on vacation. We eat the food. We know that we have agricultural um, gold mines. We we hear about mining opportunities where there might be some gold in Haiti, iridium, and other um, uh, earth elements that are precious, but we Don't really know exactly what those things are. And I think there are databases that exist um, where these things have been inventoried and maybe need to be updated. But for people searching for opportunities uh, in the midst of these challenges, having a transparent system or a platform that showcases the variety of resources that we have access to that can be exploited for business or even for in-country development is important. Um, Just to restate some of the ones that you listed, you said land resources that can be used for agriculture and mining, energy resources, um, human resources, so having a young population uh, is a huge resource that is untapped. Maritime resources, which means our coast, uh, our coastal area, which includes the fish in the ocean as well as the coral reefs and and everything that comes around the sea that we have access as part of our territory. Our airspace, all of these things including our geo positioning within the caribbean are things that can be exploited to generate revenue for the country that can be taxed as a stream of income for the country but can also be new areas of opportunities for businesses particularly diaspora who are seeking opportunities to invest that you have a lot of options if you knew what they were.
1: Not only if you knew what they were, but all of that has to take place in a context of free market. So you have to instill the free market economy concept in the exploitation of such resources, Otherwise, you may end up with monopolies of the exploitation of such resources which would create perhaps more imbalance as far as the Gini coefficient in terms of you know long distance between the haves and the have-nots. Uh, so one has to take that into account and what really creates the flow of of trust uh, in, in investing is uh, the notion of the free market economy.
0: And I think to that end, um, well, a lot of the discussion that we hear today uh, in the airwaves is that we have a lot of oligarchs who are essentially running the business environment of the country does that, I mean, every country has oligarchs, right? In the United States, Russia, Europe. How does that concept of oligarchies hinder potentially a free market? Or is it a natural phenomenon that we just have to accept and work around? Like there will be people who will get richer off of the things that they've created, but uh, but if the system is, is created to allow other people to build their wealth, having oligarchs doesn't necessarily hinder a free market. Can you maybe help to dissect that a little bit? Because I think we get stuck on the fact that the wealthy in Haiti continue to get wealthy. But that should not necessarily be a bad thing if other people can get wealthy too the people who were not as wealthy before that they have an opportunity to get wealthy too, that they don't get blocked in building their own wealth. Uh,
1: Developing a free market economy is something that takes time, especially in a very conservative uh, society. So, over time you, laws can be inserted to create uh, uh, incentives for smaller businesses and medium sized businesses to to get involved uh, in the same types of industries that the larger firms uh, are involved in. And somehow the larger firms uh, need to have certain quotas, in including small and medium-sized businesses, in the contract or contracts that they get, the concessions that they get. So there has to be a flow of small and medium-sized businesses that are part of the consortium of companies that are exploiting certain natural resources and that has to be done in a transparent way so that it's not little cliques doing things among themselves but it's really triggered by the um, the free market economy elements that would have been uh, put forth within uh, the reform uh, in the commerce and trade uh, uh, rules that exist today.
0: And so when we're looking at, just to go back to managing our resources, whether it is human resources or natural resources or maritime resources or energy resources, what are some of the things that exist today that you know of that are underutilized? I'm pretty sure there are institutions in place to help us manage some of these things, but perhaps they're underutilized. Um, And if there are institutions or there are systems in place to enable that, what are some of the things that could be done to revive them or maybe the way they were structured in the first place were inadequate for properly managing these resources and therefore need to just be completely redesigned from scratch?
1: We could start in different places, but I would start with our maritime territory and the ocean. It's a fairly large portion of the country. Uh, the maritime uh, portion, meaning it's almost equal to the size of the land itself. And if somehow we can occupy quote-unquote such territory by having maybe partnerships in terms of vessels that are fishing at sea, or exploring other natural resources that we have at sea that would create a whole space for business that did not exist and somehow uh, in order to create uh, those new business spaces uh, i think there that's where government could have a role in incentivizing businesses that uh, perhaps, let's say, purchasing vessels that can do uh, industrial fishing and uh, maybe lower taxes for a certain number of years for those that would have invested in such industry. So any new industry that we've never explored should be somehow incentivized by you know, providing some low taxes, low uh, entry barriers uh, in to the, those businesses. So in the maritime uh, sector, it's a good example. Uh, inland, you can find that in the mining industry, which is not uh, necessarily as dynamic as it could be, uh, somehow incentives could be put there as well. And if somehow the Haitian businesses are not capable or do not have the proper skills to get into such industries, they would be allowed to have uh, partners uh, from countries where you have uh, competencies in those uh, areas.
0: And I've actually seen that done uh, when I was living in Cameroon, where a lot of Chinese businesses were very present in the Cameroonian market. But they were never by themselves. There was always a Cameroonian present. So I would go to the Moshi, the, like the public market, like the street market, and I would see the Chinese selling everything from clothes to shoes to to food and produce, just all kinds of things, but always a Cameroonian nearby. And I asked, you know, why that was and and was it that they were employing them or what was this, this phenomenon of always having a Chinese and a Cameroonian? And the answer that I got is that these Chinese could not start a business without the partnership of a local Cameroonian, so that the benefits of profits and economic activity would also fall into the hands of the local Cameroonian. And I found that fascinating, and I think it's, it's helpful to have a similar model in Haiti if it doesn't exist already, to build such partnerships with other countries who might be interested or might have the capabilities to take advantage of such industries like mining or maritime activity where Haitian businesses may not have those capabilities. But there's also a danger in that as well of being exploited, right? So there's a a pro and a con to this kind of construct.
1: Well, it's all about governance, is that it? (laughs) So that has to be put those things have to be put as rules as time evolves. So one doesn't necessarily have to uh, foresee uh, all the difficulties and, and weaknesses and vulnerabilities that exist in the creation of those new industries, but you have to be conscious that uh, they need the, the rules need to be updated in order for the country to benefit as much as possible and for business the business community to uh, benefit as much as possible. Also, another sector that has not been exploited uh, enough as a natural resource is, let's say, our airspace. If we had the proper radars we would, uh, you know, constitute uh, a safe passage from North America to South America and back and forth. Uh, And you know that uh, uh, the aircraft that are uh, flying over a country, they have to pay tolls. Uh, And if you can provide that service, it's a route service, uh, that is a, an interesting natural resource resource that you have but you have to make the proper investment in terms of making such a route safe and uh, the 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 uh, users of such route to be identified and invoiced for using your airway of sort, and the same thing as uh, for maritime. Lots of uh, cargo boats go from south to north and north to south, and can use your natural resource in terms of your maritime route. If you have the proper radars, you can communicate with those vessels, and you know apply a toll to so. You know, that's a very simple uh, revenue stream, uh, uh, but you have to invest uh, in order to exploit uh, such uh, industry.
0: And I think there are hundreds of examples for each of these resources where there's a low-hanging fruit, right? As simple as taxing every airplane that passes your airwaves. And that tax that that airplane pays, whether it's American Airlines, Delta, or, or Avianca going to South America, that's revenue for the country. But the work that comes with it is the investment in the control towers and being able to monitor who's coming, who's going, and who's paying, who's not, right? So there needs to be so I guess my question would be, there's a chicken and egg issue. If, if we don't have a lot of money and we need to make investments to be able to better manage our resources so that those resources can generate revenue for us, what is, a, what is the best starting point for this? Is it the aid that we're getting from World Bank, the IMF? Like where would this initial capital investment come from? If Haiti is a startup, who is our first investor?
1: It's private sector. <laughs> the private sector. So uh, since governance and, and public sector is sort of the manager of those natural resources, they can partner with the private sector, which gives you public private partnerships so you have ppps for all those natural resources that generate immediate investment capital uh, knowledge and skills so that those things can uh, be exploited quasi immediately Uh, so i I would say public private partnerships are the immediate um,
0: are the first investors, the friends and family, if we're looking at it from the context of startups. But is this private sector internally in the country or is this just any business interested in partnering with the government?
1: It would be any business willing to partner with government because that gets done all over the world where you you cannot keep, the businesses necessarily to locals. Of course, as the locals look at uh, the openings of such uh, opportunities, they can go and partner themselves with foreign uh, entities. Uh, but you cannot restrict investment to just locals, because in fact, sometimes the locals are lacking the skill sets, the competency, and the financing. Uh, and speaking of financing, that's another area that needs to open up uh, a bit uh, and, and have more capital flowing into the business communities and into perhaps those public-private partnerships, uh, uh, you know, based on trust and transparency and have capital flowing uh, into those, uh, those ventures.
0: I was actually very surprised Uh, back in 2017, I did an ecosystem map for Haiti, uh, just looking at the startup ecosystem and how it's supported, how are entrepreneurs supported. And I was surprised to find that there were almost no investors in the investor bracket. There's no angel investment group or network or community. There's no venture capital community. There's no real private equity community. So the capital flow for entrepreneurs, particularly micro and small businesses, is really coming from microfinance, from loans, and from grants. There is no institutional investment in Haiti. And the only ones that i found were Profin, which is closer to a private equity entity. And another one called, I believe, Leopold Capital or Leopard Capital, which is also closer to a private equity entity. So a lot of these small businesses who would want to be competitive, designing solutions or technology businesses have to rely on mostly microfinancing grants or bank loans. And the banks in Haiti are definitely not going to give a high risk small business in a volatile environment, a loan. So we need to unlock the financing sector if we truly want local businesses to participate in this free market that could be created out of managing our resources.
1: That's correct. But it all comes from the trust that we talked about previously. Follow the rule of laws, small government, property rights. So it's about trusting the system in terms of um, ownership uh, and uh, a- accountability, because even the a private sector, somebody that uh, uh, borrows funds, uh, that person has to be accountable for the funds that they've uh, uh, borrowed uh, of sort. Uh, so I, I don't think that would be uh, a major activity uh, for other Uh, VCs to come and invest uh, in the country and establish themselves. Because Leopold Capital is not a Haitian-born institution, Uh, uh, but they were there, they stay around and don't do much, uh, but didn't want to close shop. But if somehow you clear the air, you'll see that uh, a lot of uh, and coming from the diaspora as well, because that can come from crowdfunding, people putting you know, money together and creating those, uh, you know, such institutions and and, and uh, encourage uh, small, medium-sized businesses uh, at um, uh, getting a little more involved in investment.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the diaspora will be a very big part of creating that capital inflow because of the the wealth that exists in that diaspora community that we have.
1: Uh, in fact, uh, speaking of that, uh, you know, it is said uh, very often that, uh, uh, you know, Haitians from abroad send f- uh, $4 billion of worth of uh, remittances as of 2021-2022, uh, but Uh, I read the study at some point that there were about $6 billion that uh, Haitians had uh, uh, in terms of savings in the diaspora that could be invested into the country without disturbing their daily lives, uh, uh, which uh, deals with... uh, uh, paying their mortgages and cars and vacation etc there is an additional six to eight billion dollars that could be invested
0: there. another opportunity to explore there and i think we'll save an entire episode just on that and how the diaspora can be a key investor in the future of the country